little macro creep coming at you guys today. So this is, uh, you know, we're pushing the bounds of creativity a little bit. You know, I would never classify myself as a creative person. It's just not something that comes naturally to me. But I have learned that you can actually improve your creativity, for better or worse, right? I'm, I'm improving the creative angle of things. I don't know that it's leading to a better outcome, per se, a better end product. But we're, uh, we're giving it a shot, man. Macro creep. So this is kind of interesting. I think that you guys are going to enjoy today's segment. We're not going to talk about tracking macros in the traditional sense. Right? There's obviously a little bit of that in here because you can't talk about macro anything without talking about macros themselves. So, of course, we're going to kick things off that way. But this segment is really for those of you out there that maybe you don't want to track macros for the rest of your life. Right? Maybe you actually envision a world where you don't own a food scale. I personally would never want to live in such a world. But that's just me. You may want to inhabit that world. And so if that's the case, then I kind of think this little ditty we've got for you guys today on Macro Creep, I think you guys are going to dig it. The best thing you could do for your physique development is to track macros, period. End of discussion. Now... I don't say that in like a total totalitarian or dictatorship type way. Like, man, you have to do this to reach your goals, right? This isn't the Hunger Games, like where you have to do a certain thing. You know, hashtag eating those blueberries. No, that's not true at all. There are many, many pathways forward to reach your physique goals. But I will tell you guys, man, regardless of what your goals might be, Right. If they if they revolve around, you know, fat loss or muscle gain or body recomp or whatever. Any physique transformation goal that you might have. It just becomes so much clearer. It just becomes so much simpler. With macros tracked and nutrition banked. I mean, this has been it's been pretty well documented. Right? I mean, not only in the literature, although, you know, maybe only a little bit in like the formal, like legit, like, you know, WebMD, like peer reviewed type stuff. I think it's only been studied a little bit, but there are a couple of pieces out there, if I'm not mistaken. But just in my own casual observations around me, you know, i.e. bro science, take them for what they're worth, man. But I mean, people who track their macros, right? I mean, obviously I'm speaking from my own experience here. But the athletes I've worked with, the people I've gotten to know at the gym or, you know, the, the, the students inside of Full Throttle or whatever, they all say the same thing. And I mean, I think this is hitting at about 100%. I think that this one statistic, statistic, da, 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 this one statistic, it's bad in a thousand, man. Like they all say everything just became so much simpler when I started tracking macros. Now, to be really clear, it's not easier Right, And there's a dark side. There's a cost to tracking macros. Right, Every gimme has a gotcha. But just in terms of knowing what needs to be done, just in terms of clarity of work, I think it's really hard to argue against macros. I think it's really hard to argue 
against their uh, their their effectiveness. Now, in my own experience, you know, as I kind of alluded to a second ago, it's the exact same phenomenon, right? I mean, I, when I was early on in my bodybuilding career, as you guys know, if you followed the podcast for a while, I've talked about this a handful of times, right? If you follow me through other outlets, you've probably heard this story there too. But I ballooned up and down quite a bit early on in my bodybuilding career. You know, I couldn't really stay under 220 in the offseason, 225 in the offseason. But right now, even though I, I still I still balloon, you know, to some degree, it's just a much it's a much tighter balloon, if that's even a thing. It's a it's a much e it's a much easier to contain balloon where, you know, I, I rarely get over two oh five now. I mean, that's just a radical difference for me. And my body doesn't even want to be two oh five. My body wants to be two twenty. My body wants to be two twenty five. And so, you know, it's been it's been a huge, huge change for me, just a huge positive consequence for me. And so I give macros a lot of the credit there, right? I think a big reason why, you know, I've been able to do this is simply because of tracking macros, right? That's kind of when I shifted into a different zone, a different realm with my, uh, with my tighter balloons, if you will. But what we're going to talk about here today is not macro tracking itself and what that can do for you. Although, of course, it's going to be related. What I want to talk about today is something that I'm going to call macro creep. What is macro creep, you ask? Well, that is a great question. So this whole idea of macro creep. This was inspired by a concept that is, it's actually more closely connected to one of my other loves in this world. One of the other F's inside the cube, which is finance. And the thing inside of finance that triggered the inspiration for this podcast episode is something called lifestyle creep. Lifestyle creep occurs when an individual standard of living improves as their discretionary income rises and former luxuries now become new necessities. I'm pretty sure I pulled that definition straight off of Wikipedia, so it is definitely legit. But basically, it's just keeping up with the Joneses, right? Keeping up with the Joneses, the Jones-eye, right? We all, we all say, man, if I could just have another $100 a week, I'd be set. I mean, I I just said this last week. I mean, we all say this, right? Like, man, that would make my life so much easier and I would put it to good use. I would save it or I would pay down debt or I would do something super responsible with that extra money. But in reality, is that what we do? No. That's not what most of us do. That's not what, I mean, I'm really hesitant to say this, but really any of us do. Now, I'd like to think maybe from time to time, some of us are good stewards with our resources. So I won't, I won't use the word, the superlative all necessarily. But for most people, myself included, I'm super guilty of this. When those windfalls happen, or even you just receive a straight up increase to your regular income, our standard of living rises. Our standard of living follows suit higher. So now all of a sudden, 
right? That 2010 Honda Civic that you're rocking, that, you know, the, the fender is a little banged up, the bumper's kind of falling off, maybe the back locks don't work on the rear passenger and driver's side doors, but you're making it happen. But now all of a sudden, oof, that's not good enough, man. You need at least a 2012, 2014. Or maybe those Target brand forks that you're rocking at dinner, those got to go. It's time to get some fine china. Right? I mean, that's that's pretty... You think about that, it's like, wow, that, that's true. I think I think Jim might be onto something there. And when you think about that lifestyle creep, it, it's kind of discouraging. Right? It's kind of like, oh, man, I'm trying to get ahead. I'm trying to forge ahead. But I just feel like I'm hardwired to kind of defeat myself. I just feel like I'm hardwired to, to sort of self-sabotage when I pick up these extra funds, right? That in and of itself is pretty discouraging. But it doesn't have to be. If we better understand what's happening here, we can get to kind of the root core of what's transpiring within lifestyle creep. And we can apply it in a positive way to what we're going to call today macro creep. And here's the idea. The idea behind lifestyle creep or macro creep or maybe any creep for that matter is we're really good at adjusting and adapting to our new normal. I mean, if you think about it, right, just from a from a biological like evolutionary standpoint, this makes a lot of sense, right? We're really good at surviving. We're really good at finding homeostasis, finding equilibrium, right? When our circumstances change, we're really good at adjusting and adapting on the fly. We've done this for many, many, many years, right? You know, depending on where you stand on the creationist story, it could be thousands of years, it could be millions of years, right? Either way, it's like, well, yeah, we're pretty good at this. So if our new normal, getting back to lifestyle creep, if our new normal is more money, then we're going to we're going to find a new home for that extra money. It may not be the best home. It may not be the most efficient use of that money. But that's the idea, right? We're going to find that new home and it's not going to take a ton of effort. It's just going to sort of happen, right? Well, we can take the exact same idea and we can apply it to macros. Once you start tracking macros, and here's another thing that is batting a thousand. Every single person, and I mean every single one, every single student inside of Full Throttle, every single athlete that I've worked with, every single person that I've gotten to know at at least some level that went from not knowing anything about macros to taking the time and effort to track their macros, and they did this under my tutelage in some way, shape, or form, Every single one of them came back to me and said, within a week, oftentimes within 72 hours, oh my gosh, I feel like my eyes have been opened. Oh my gosh, I feel like a whole new horizon has just been spread out before me. Like there's so many things happening here that I was completely unaware of. And so once you start tracking macros, right, it's going to, it's going to raise your level of nutritional awareness to you know, degrees that you've not experienced before. But you're also going to realize that, man, this is going to take some work, right? This is going to take some effort. This isn't like lifestyle creep where it just kind of happens, right? It's like, man, I actually have to be kind of intentional about this. 
I mean, to constantly have to break out my scale and the cups and the tablespoons and the whatevers. It's like, man, this takes some commitment. Well, that's all necessary at the beginning stages of any legitimate effort to track macros. But that's not macro creep. Macro creep is what happens later. So you've been tracking macros for a while. I don't know, a couple weeks, a couple months, right? This usually happens pretty quickly, right? You kind of have that initial period that I just kind of referenced where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm like a totally different person. I had no idea that, you know, this food had that many calories or that food had this many calories or whatever, right? That happens really quickly, usually within the first couple of days. But even the macro creep portion that we're going to get into here, that doesn't usually take that long to start to, you know, unfold in your life. It's usually, usually I would say about a month, I'd say about four weeks, this is going to start to just turn itself on in the background as we're going to talk about here in a second. All of a sudden, by investing the time, by taking the effort or maybe taking the time or investing the effort, whichever way you want to go with it, I really don't care. By going through that process, you are going to realize that you now have a skill set that you've been developing that just kind of turns itself on without your even needing to trigger it. You're not going to have to necessarily flip the switch and say, all right, it's time to be mindful of my nutrition. It's time to be mindful of what I'm actually eating. It's time to be mindful of my portions and my sizes and my amounts of different food items. Because you've been so diligent with tracking, it's just going to happen. You're not going to have to try. So in the unlikely event that you ever find yourself without access to your food scale, a completely avoidable circumstance, by the way, you won't be completely lost out to sea. You can now draw on your intuition, right? This is the basis of intuitive eating that, by the way, I think a lot of people get wrong because they try to put the cart before the horse, but this is the basic idea, right? You now have an intuition that has been refined through work and practice. You actually do know what six ounces of chicken look like. You actually do have a pretty good idea what 100 grams of potatoes or rice look like. Because you've weighed it. You've measured it. You've put in the work now for three, four, five, six, eight weeks. Whatever it's been to this point. And you are you now have this ability subconsciously to look at food on a plate and say, all right, that's probably X. That's probably Y. Whereas before you might do the same thing, but you would be completely off. How do we know you were completely off? Because of the surprise factor that hits you within the first 72 hours where you were like, oh my gosh, Jim, I can't believe how I didn't know this before. I can't believe how eye-opening this has been. If you had everything down before, it wouldn't be eye-opening now. right? I mean, think about that for a minute. If you, if you were correctly gauging your food intake before, tracking macros would literally just be a pain in the keister. That's all it would be. It wouldn't give you any incremental benefit. But that's not what 100% of people say to me. 
that have had no experience doing this before. You now know, you know, what fats and oils and butters and sauces, you know that these guys can pack a caloric punch. And not only that, but you know that these guys aren't always visible on the plate, right? They're kind of sneaky on the, on the salmon, right? Kind of sneaky on the, on the steak there. Like, ooh, that steak, it's kind of glistening in the sun. Maybe there's something behind that glisten. Yeah, that might be an 80-calorie glisten. That might be a 200-calorie glisten. Now you know that because you've taken the time yourself to weigh out a tablespoon of butter and watch it melt on your chicken. Watch it melt on your oatmeal. Watch it melt on your Captain Crunch. Don't knock it till you try it. But you now know these things, right? And so you can adjust accordingly subconsciously. And you will adjust accordingly subconsciously. So now... This is where the macro creep comes into play because macros have now just kind of crept into your life, right? Like, like in a good way, like they're just kind of working in the background, right? It's kind of like, it's kind of like the updating on your computer where it's just kind of happening, right? But it's actually better than the updating on your computer because, you know, every seven to 14 days, your computer says, do you want to update? And we all say no. And so we don't even take advantage of it. But this is actually happening without you having to do anything. Right, because of the skills that you've developed. So you are now far more aware of what you're actually putting into your body. And so you can have meals out with friends or family and not feel like you're going to completely derail your progress if you can't weigh your food, if you can't measure things exactly. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna fool you guys, right? I mean, that can really be a source of anxiety for a lot of us that take this stuff really seriously. I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience here, right? Like you're out with friends, you're out with family, right? And you're like super anxious, like, oh man, is that six ounces of chicken or is that like five and a quarter? Because I got to make sure that I hit my protein today so my muscles don't shrivel up and die. I'm not even going to lie to you guys. I've had that very thought like earlier this week. And I've been, I've been doing this for a really long time. So if you feel that way, you're not alone. But I'm just, I'm, what I'm trying to do is not only remind you or or tell you depending on where you're at you know in your your macro tracking macro creeping journey that objectively we know cognitively that we can do these things now getting past that hurdle that's kind of a different a different podcast and maybe we'll talk about that at some point in the future but objectively and cognitively mathematically all that stuff like like it's going to be okay especially now that you know all right i'm gonna be pretty close today Like, I may not be exact, but you know what? The time with my friends, the time with my family members, and honestly, just a little break away from the scale, just a little break away from, you know, the tablespoon that I keep tucked in my back pocket at all times, just a break away from that stuff, it's probably going to do you a lot of good. And so you won't necessarily have to stress out if you want to have lunch with your coworkers, right? You can do so. You can do so. You can eyeball your macros. You probably won't be too far off and you can continue to progress. And so all of this is made possible by macro creepage in your life. All of this is made possible by the fact that macros have crept into your everyday thinking. The problem that a lot of people face is they try to short circuit this process. And this is kind of what I alluded to a minute ago when I took a little playful jab at intuitive eating. 
everybody wants to eat intuitively, right? If for no other reason than you can include the hashtag on your Instagram posts, but everybody wants to eat intuitively, right? This is kind of the thing in today's uh, fitness culture. But the problem is what everyone needs to realize is we're not born with this intuition. Most people, and I mean the obesity statistics bear this out. I don't even need, this is not my opinion, right? I mean, this is very clearly shown in everyday society. Most people can't regulate their own food intake. Most people don't have that ability. And there are just, there, there, there are or could be a lot of reasons why. And I'm not going to talk about those or even address those because A, I'm not really prepared to do so. But B, even if I were prepared, and maybe at some point in the future I will be prepared, I have a feeling that's going to be a longer discussion. And so that's going to be a tangent that we may never come back from. I'm certainly not immune to tangents, but I try to, you know, bring them back in at some point. But we clearly, just based on the stats, we're not very good at regulating our food intake. So that by definition means we don't have a good intuition when it comes to eating. And so if that's the case, I probably shouldn't try to eat intuitively before I build up an intuition, right? I probably shouldn't try to eat intuitively before I log in some, some, some hours, put in my reps when it comes to weighing and tracking and measuring so that I can build some sort of an intuition, right? But people try to skip the steps. They try to fast forward ahead without putting in that necessary time to weigh, track, and measure their foods. And so that's a problem. That's a big problem. Because then what happens, right? People eat intuitively. And, you know, they're eating avocados and they're eating oatmeal and they're eating all the food that's quote-unquote healthy, but they're still over-consuming these foods. Which, don't get me wrong, just by choosing healthier options, it becomes harder to over-consume, but it's not impossible. And it can certainly happen. People are like, man, what's going on? Like, why am I not losing weight? I'm eating all the things I should be eating. Well, if you're eating too much of the things you should be eating, you're not going to lose weight. You know, at, 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 at its core basic level, it is just a math equation. Is there more to it? Of course. But at the core foundational level, that's how it starts. And so that's why I'm such a big fan of macro tracking. And one of the huge benefits is this macro creep that comes into play. So that now, if at some point you want to eat intuitively, you have the intuition. Right? You've put in the reps. You've logged in the hours. You can do it if you want to. You could say, oh, that's probably 100 grams of sweet potatoes. And you'll be right on the mark. You could say, oh, that's probably six ounces of steak. You'll probably be pretty close. But if you try to do that without having put in the time, you just, you're just you just eyeballing the plate like, mm, yeah, that's probably about 100 grams of sweet potatoes. Really? Probably not. And by the way, is that cooked or raw? Because when you start tracking macros, you start realizing, oh, there's a difference. I've got to figure this out. I've got to be consistent. Right? You start to learn these little nuances that you would never learn had you not done these things. When did you measure it? Did you measure it in a cook state? Did you measure it in the raw state? Makes a difference. Yeah, that looks like about two tablespoons of peanut butter. No, it's not. I guarantee it's closer to four. Maybe five, maybe six. Which, I mean, that's several hundred extra calories. When you start tracking macros and you start logging and banking this nutrition, you realize that two tablespoons of peanut butter 
is just not that much. This is something you will learn. This is something you will lament by investing the time to track. But again, you would have no way of knowing that until you put in the time. I remember when I first started uh, taking bodybuilding seriously in my freshman year of college, and I was not tracking macros. I was kind of going by the good food, bad food philosophy, and it, it ended up doing all kinds of damage to me over the years. Things I'm still trying to undo to this day, you know, in 19 years later. But nevertheless, one of the things I used to do is I thought that a tablespoon was just like the tablespoon that you have in your silverware drawer. And I, you know, my bird brain couldn't figure out that, oh, I probably shouldn't just take a huge heaping scoop of peanut butter in this tablespoon, like in the silverware drawer, and call that one tablespoon. But that's what I used to do. I, and, and I mean, I would, dig, I would dig it out, man. I would use force. I would use elbow grease to fill up that tablespoon with as much jiff as I possibly could. And I would eat that, and I would put it down in my log, one tablespoon of peanut butter. And I had this little, uh, this little book. This was like, you know, before the internet was invented, right? So I had this little book that had the calorie counts of different foods. And so I was like, oh, one tablespoon of peanut butter, that's only 90 calories. I'm like, wow, that's really filling for 90 calories. Well, that's probably because it was more like four and a half tablespoons of peanut butter. And I would go forward, and I would be so frustrated that I wouldn't be making progress. I would be so frustrated that I wouldn't be, you know, losing weight and cutting body fat like I thought I might. And it's like, well, maybe that was one of the reasons. Maybe one of the reasons was I never actually took the time to figure out what a legitimate tablespoon was. I just assumed I was correct. But once you take the time to invest the energy and the effort to figuring this stuff out, then it's like later on, if you want to splurge on a few huge spoonfuls of peanut butter straight out of the silverware drawer, right? Mix in some croutons. You know, all right, that's, that was probably a clean, clean, pure 800 calories of Skippy alone. At least you'll know. At least you'll be aware, right? And so you can adjust accordingly the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the month, whatever you want to do, right? But you're not, at least you're no longer off in this la-la land where you think, that something is the truth and it's not even close, right? That's a dangerous spot to be in. At least now you know, okay, this is what I did and I'm going to have to pay the price for this, if you will, right? Not that we want to use super like, you know, costly or, or negative labels to these things, but it's helpful. It's helpful to just know that there's a cost to my actions, right? To me, that's not negative. That's just, that's just real. That's just true. Right? There's going to be a cost to this action. And so by, by tracking your macros and allowing macro creep to come into your world, then what you're able to do is you're able to minimize the, the standard of error for all my statistics geeks out there. You're able to minimize the standard of error between what you think is happening and what is actually happening. And, you know, if you want any chance of resetting your new normal baseline body weight or getting super lean or whatever your physique goal might be, this is what you got to do. This is like step one or step two or step zero, right? It's one of the early on steps that you need to make.
to macro creep, man. It is glorious. And, you know, for those of you that might know me a little bit better, uh, just in terms of you follow my content uh, a lot, or, you know, you might be a student or an athlete inside of Full Throttle, like you already know this, right? I'm a fan of kind of always keeping an eye on my macros. I guess I just, you know, uh, growing up as such a, such a big kid, I... I can so easily slip back into that mode that I like to always keep an eye on my macros. You know, and taking the few minutes to weigh what I can, when I can, which isn't all the time, of course, but it's north of 80% of the time, I would say. It really doesn't take that much time. And to me, it's worth it. But I respect the fact that someone else might not want to do it all the time. That's fine. And in that situation, you know, that's kind of who I created this podcast episode for. This is where macro creep can really be a strong ally for you, right? This is where macro creep can really come into your life and be a huge, you know, confidant, right? Accomplice in what you're trying to accomplish. But you still got to sink in the time to earn the creep later, as they say. Well, I don't know that anyone's ever said that before, but you guys feel me, right? I mean, <laughs> you got you to gotta earn the creep badge of honor, and then it can get to work for you. So that's it, man. That's the episode today. You know, I hope you guys got a little bit of something from this. I am so humbled and grateful that you guys take your time out of your day or night or morning or whatever and you spend it with me. I really hope that you guys get continual value from, you know, these podcast episodes. If you guys wanted to rate and review the podcast, it really does help get it out to more people. More people will see it. More people will find it. And hopefully they can they can uh, gain a little bit from what we talk about here. If you guys want to mosey on down into the description and check out some of my other stuff, that'd be great. You know, I got the YouTube channel. We've got uh, social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram. We've got some free swag down there. You know, you can grab the fat loss formula. You can grab the cardio plan. You can grab all that stuff. We have the, the not free swag down there, which I don't know if swag is ever not free, but if it is, we got that down there too with full throttle fat loss. If that's, you know, if, if fat loss is your number one objective right now, it might be worth a look, right? And just let me know if you have any questions about it. I'd love to, to talk with you about it to see if it is a good fit for you. Because if it's not, I'll tell you straight up, like, yeah, this is not a good fit for you. But if it is, then, you know, I'll try to lay on the charm and sell you my windows as I used to be a window salesman back in the day. But uh, but anyway, I hope you guys got a lot from this uh, this episode and we'll see you guys next time.